All right. So, my friend, how can I be of utility? Well, um, I get very anxious around people in general, and I wanted to talk to you about that. And and um, it's it's an experience I've been having for a very long time. I would say uh, since like the sixth grade. I really started noticing it, and um, and it's kind of the centerpiece of a lot of my self-work and self-reflection is is trying to understand why I just get so extremely anxious um, talking about my thoughts and feelings with with pretty much well with everyone. Right, right. All right, and. Um I think the first thing that comes to my mind is is precision is the key. Precision is the key. And so a man says, I'm afraid of falling. Uh, it's not quite true. Uh, he's af- afraid of, of splatting, right? Right, right. right. I mean, and I think that's – so in, in terms of anxiety, uh, it's really, really important to be precise. You're not afraid of people. Right. Right. Uh, like the man who's falling is not afraid of falling. The man – is not afraid of snakes. He's afraid of being bitten, right? Right, right. I mean, I'm not a big fan of the spiders. My daughter is. And so I'm learning to let them walk on my hand. You know, the, the idea of these envenom fangs going into my jugular uh, is beginning to diminish because they're pretty small, I guess, and fairly cute. But I'm not afraid of spiders. I'm afraid I'm of... sorry. The number you've dialed cannot be reached at this time. Please try again And so later. I think it's important to be really precise about what it is that you're scared of. Because if you say, well, I'm scared of people, then it's diffusing it to the point where you really can't do much about it except go live in the woods, which means that the fear has won in a very non-specific way, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and I really don't want to do that. I I really would like to uh, feel much more much more open and comfortable uh, sharing myself with people. So, Well, I would, uh, I would be annoying and say that that's not, um, that's not a good goal to have. Right, so uh, you don't want to like so. Let's let's say that you're surrounded by a bunch of sharks. Your goal is not to become oh, more right. comfortable with the sharks, right? Right, right, right. I I want to become more comfortable putting my hand inside the mouth of an alligator. Well, you don't actually want <laughs> want to become more. In fact, you want to stay distinctly uncomfortable with that right. with that idea. So again, uh, anxiety that is diffuse. Is in my, you know, this is all just my opinion, right? But it's it's very, uh, it, it's clouded and it's non-specific. Yeah. And I am going to argue, once I start listening, <laughs> shortly after I start listening, uh, I'm going to argue that the reason that it's generalized is because the specific is too painful. The reason that we generalize anxiety is because the specific is too painful, and it's not even, in fact, too painful for us. It's too painful for specific others. Yeah. So. Uh, I'll make that case, but uh, tell me a little bit more about an incident or or something that w- which sort of uh, crystallizes this issue for you. Sure. Um, well, I just to go back to your first point about it being not really um, correct to say that I'm that I'm scared of people. Um, for me, the the scenario that plays out in my mind is. Um, I think I'm afraid of being humiliated, and it always feels like humiliation is is imminent. And 
that if I share if I share what's on my mind, my thoughts and feelings, um, on sort of a subconscious level, which I would, you know, challenge on a, a more conscious level, I I see uh, I see the other person attacking me personally for for what I say. So, you know, I could be talking about just a preference of mine, like a movie I like, or or music I like, or I could be putting forth an, an argument of uh, of truth. But what I really, what I seem to expect, and what what seems to get me quite anxious is that um, I guess I feel like it's a real possibility that, or even probability that that the other person's going to get angry and and attack me uh, verbally. You know, and personally, so even if it's an argument of truth, it's not like I'm not scared of other people challenging my logic, but it's it seems like that's not what I'm scared of. What I'm scared of is that I'm I'm gonna be attacked personally. Just right. to put a little bit more context to And that's that's more specific and I'm gonna urge you to go to another level of specificity specificity. So you're not afraid of people, you're afraid of attack, right? Yeah. Right, so you're not afraid of falling, you're afraid of hitting. You're not afraid of sharks, you're afraid of being bitten. But I would go uh, one step further, which is, uh, I don't know, let's just take a scenario. So you're going to go, you want to go buy a dog from a pet store, right? And there's there's two dogs, you know, and one is, uh, is, is friendly and happy and wags his tail and jumps up and down and appears enthusiastic and... You know, his, his coat is shiny and his eyes are bright and his teeth are, I don't know, dog's teeth are always, always yellow. But they look nice, right? And it looks like a happy, happy dog. And, you know, next, next to him is some mangy dog that doesn't blink and, you know, walks in that really stiff gait and looks sort of like Cujo on a bad day. And growls and there's little flecks of foam dropping from his mouth. Well, you are unsettled by the second dog but you're not particularly frightened of the second dog because you're just not going to buy him right right yeah that makes sense so you are in a situation where the dangerous dog can't do much to you i mean he can yeah. glare at you from behind the glass but you know that's not going to keep you up at night right 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 so yeah. that's a way of saying it's not attack from other people that is even the most fundamentally alarming thing. I'm, I'll make the case. I mean, it could be completely full of shit, but I'll, I'll make the case. You tell me if I'm wrong. It's the feeling. I think the deepest anxiety comes from feeling that something that is terrible is also inescapable. Yeah, I mean that makes sense, especially with the dog metaphor. I mean, I'm since I'm an adult, if if somebody doesn't treat me well, I can, well, I can just not spend any time with them. So I don't necessarily have to be very frightened of of irrational people. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's good to be frightened of them in the same way it's good to be frightened of the mangy, rabid, glaring dog. Yeah, that fear is good, right? That fear is is healthy, but it's not the same as chronic anxiety. The chronic anxiety to me can only come from a situation where 
attacks were random, vicious, and inescapable over a long period of time. Yeah. I mean, the purpose of the fight-or-flight mechanism is to alert us to danger so that we can fight or flight, so we can do something. That's why the fight-or-flight, so we can do something about it, right? Right, right. But animals, I believe, seem to get the most traumatized, and we are just another mammal. They get the most traumatized by random, terrible, and inescapable punishments. Right. Yeah, and I I suspect this anxiety um, goes back to my relationship with my parents. Um, it's 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 kind of challenging in some ways to think of specific events in my childhood, though. It's like I I have this feeling that that actually was something I experienced because, well, in a general way, um, I. I feel like I really understand uh, I really understand well, I don't know, I'm starting to fog, but um, well, for example, if I can just describe my parents a little bit, maybe that'll that'll help me get there. My mom is is a very uh, very kind of tense, nervous person and and so I feel like she's always she's always trying to pick on me to deal with her own her own kind of insecurities so for example um, I remember pretty young becoming self-conscious of of the kind of music that I was listening to um, because I remember my mom would, would, uh, you know, she'd hear me listening to the radio and she would make some comment about the music being trashy or being stupid or, and, and so I would, you know, I, I started to kind of self-censor whenever I would hear her, come towards you know wherever i was at i would like turn the music down uh because i didn't want you know i didn't want to hear her her critical remarks of the music that i like listening to and you know i think that was like an example of something was irritating her but but rather than being able to say you know i mean i don't know how young she could have started doing this with me but i think at the age i remember her criticizing music i was listening to on the radio she could have she could have you know talked to me a little bit about how she was feeling irritation or maybe she should have been talking to a therapist not me but but okay so why i'm sorry to interrupt but why why do you think your mom didn't like your music what was it about it well i think the example i can remember no, no, sorry. The the example that I can remember, um, it was a radio station where the like the DJs would tell jokes where maybe there was some some raunchy humor or something, you know, I thought was was funny, um even at that age. And I I know that she was she didn't like that, but I feel like and I can't remember her criticism against my music, but you know, I feel like well I know that even if I was listening to music I would turn it down. 
but I can't remember. I can't remember exactly what her her criticism was. Yeah, I'm really not. I'm really not sure. Well, and that's not exactly what I asked. Uh, I didn't ask okay. what her criticism was. I asked her what. I asked her. I asked you what you thought bothered her about your music. I, I'm not really sure. I mean, other than, the thought I had was that it it wasn't the kind of music she liked to listen to. She liked to listen to country, and I I enjoyed listening to pop and and rock and roll. Um, but yeah, I'm not really sure. I think maybe I'm not really. Maybe I don't really understand. What kind? So, so give me an example of some of the bands that you were into, what the songs. Um, because I mean, say, rock and roll is a pretty broad genre, right? Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Um, the age I'm thinking of, uh, Ace of Base comes to mind. This was like early '90s. Uh, right. Sorry, I'm just. <laughs> so it's not exactly death metal, but say. Yeah, nice. yeah. You know, yeah. this is like, uh, uh, it's a beautiful life and. Um, the sign and all that she wants and right so this is this is serious pop right i, I like them actually they're a pretty good band but uh. yeah yeah i wish i could wish i could remember more um and the reason uh, i'm and i just want to get this off my chest and it's nothing sure, to do with you sure. but just to clear my own thinking um i i remember an incident when i was um about 15 maybe maybe 15 um we had a bunch of friends that we hang out together. Sometimes we play Dungeons and Dragons and stuff. And one of them was a really talented artist. He's actually since become an artist. And he used to do these great and funny cartoons. And it was well known that I was at this time in my life, for reasons that are pretty obvious to anyone who's a long-time listener, that I was completely immersed in the album The Wall by, by Pink Floyd, particularly Side 3. But anyway... So he drew some cartoon of us playing Dungeons and Dragons, and in, in a record in the uh, from a record player in the background came the lyrics for the song "Mother" by uh, by I guess by Roger Waters by by Pink Floyd, and I I think I rem- even remember the lyrics that were coming out. It was something like um, uh, "Mama's gonna make all of your nightmares come true. Mama's gonna put all of her fears into you." It was something like that, right? And my mom found this cartoon, uh, you know, in hindsight, of course, not entirely accidental, and got really, really upset. And we had to, (laughs) my brother and I had to calm her down by bringing her the album and saying, no, this is just an album that, that this is just lyrics from an album. It's not, you know, it's not what, what Steph is saying. It's just, it's just, (laughs) it's just lyrics from an album that he finds really compelling. I don't know what the, that he finds really compelling. It's, it's sort of weird that that was our sort of answer to it what what this i think why this memory stuck with me is that everybody knew that i was trying to not trying to communicate something but something was being communicated by my significant and repetitive interest in listening to this this album and anyway that just sort of popped into my head because you know my mom was really into like this really treacly elevator music like the ray conniff singers and all this kind of stuff and yeah, she had some issues with my musical taste. Not just that, but I like music with a bit more meat and grind to it, so to speak. And uh, yeah, it uh, it really bothered her. Music, I think, is a powerful thing. Is a powerful thing, I think, in families because it does define a lot. Not just personal taste, but it's like sense of life. 
um, particularly being open to new kinds of music or trying out different kinds of genres or if there's a kind of sophistication about being being uh, exploring the amazing world uh, and the almost infinite world of uh, music and being surprised sometimes. I'm constantly surprised by songs that I like, which you know, I shouldn't like by, by sort of many rational definitions. And so I just sort of wanted to put that out there because then that's why I was sort of asking what kind of music and Ace of Pace, of course, is, you know, it'd be hard to find that to be at all offensive. So I just wanted to sort of clarify that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh... Okay. So she, now her musical tastes, was she, um, so you said she listened to country. Was that, yeah. was that, I like two kinds of music, country and Western. Is that sort of the, uh, was, was there much, much mixing it up of genres or, or did she mostly stay with the same kind of thing? Uh, mostly with the same kind of thing, and you know, I would say more of kind of popular country, not not more like traditional bluegrass or anything like that. So, right, so not old school, but sort of modern, modern country, right? Yeah, like Shania, Shania Twain, Twain, straight that kind of stuff. Clint Black, yeah, right, right. Um, and I, yeah, uh, I don't know. That's interesting. Like maybe the pop music I was listening to was reflective of a, a younger generation or something maybe there were messages in there she didn't like i don't know that's not i haven't really thought about that before well it's the first thing that came up and i you know at the point of hopefully not sounding completely repetitive i think it's worth i think it's worth exploring i think it's worth having a look at i think there's something important about that there's no question my daughter's going to get into music that i'm going to have some tough time with and there is there are certain kinds of music that i have uh, some tough time with. Um, I I was stuck in a tent uh, when I was a gold panner. I was stuck in a tent with a guy. The only radio station we could get was some country radio station bouncing off the northern lights. And I distinctly remember the show starting off on a long weekend with, now we're going to count down the top 800 country songs of all time. I'm like, sweet mother of God, this is going to be a long, <laughs> long weekend. Although I did find some of them pretty funny. There's, um, I don't know, was it uh, She Got the Gold Mine and I Got the Shaft for about a song about divorce? Or my favorite one was, uh, Get Your Tongue Out of My Mouth, I'm a Kissing You Goodbye. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. um, so I had a bit of trouble with country, although I do recognize it's, it's quite witty at times. And um, uh, I've, I've had some problems with hardcore rap just because it's alarming and <laughs> I feel like my watch always goes missing but um, uh, so but there there are differences and and this is in in families right the the challenge is not where you agree the challenge in any relationship is where is where you disagree you don't ne- you don't need to negotiate where you agree right so if you and your girlfriend a big Woody Allen films and a new Woody Allen film comes out it's like yay let's go to the Woody Allen there's no negotiation there right yeah right right and so in families in particular, differences in taste or preference, these are all, I think, fertile grounds for exploring difference. And, and one of the things I hope is that my daughter is going to open me up to new kinds of music in the future. You know, it's a cheap and easy way to get some in-house recommendations. Certainly listeners at FDR have turned me on to some great new stuff. And uh, Lord knows I could use it because it's been a long time since I've had the chance or the, really the, the time or leisure to explore new kinds of music. So... So in this question of, you know, I like country and you like pop, UPB would say that if she gets to, quote, put down your music, 
then she shouldn't have any problem if you put down country, right? Yeah. And? Uh, well, that definitely wouldn't wouldn't go over. Um, I'm trying to think if, if there was a time when I did uh, make a comment to her about about country music in the negative, but I can't really – nothing comes to mind. But I, I can say that with my mom there, that's – negotiating with hers, it's just impossible. Why is that? I, I, do, I don't ever remember negotiating with her. She uh, – Just because just, you're not very good gets, at it? No, I'm just kidding. No, she, <laughs> she, gets, <laughs> just kidding. she gets angry. She just gets angry really, really quick. Um, if you Should we to... try a role play on that? Because I, I just want to get a sense of what that looks like. I, yeah, I, I'll try. Okay, so um, mom, uh, I'll just be you. So mom, I, you know, I, uh, I, I don't really like it when you kind of dismiss or, or seem to be down about, about my music. And I just kind of wanted to know what your you know, what you're experiencing when that happens. It kind of bothers me. Obviously, my music bothers you. I don't want to give up something that I like just because it bothers you. I don't think that's a good life lesson, but I, I want to sort of understand what it is that bothers you about it. Uh, your music doesn't bother me. I, yeah, it, it doesn't. It, whatever you want to listen to is fine. Well, there have been a number of examples where you've made comments or uh, made negative or disparaging comments about what it is that I'm listening to. And that's, uh, you know, this is an area of, if this is an area of disagreement, then I just like to sort of figure out what's going on so we can avoid, uh, well, not avoid, but but sort of resolve whatever difference there may be. Uh, I don't think I ever got this far with her. <laughs> well, if you did, what would she say? There's a reason why you didn't, right? So, you know, because you know yeah. what you would say next, right? Like, would she just continue to deny? Uh, that I think she would problem? deny the problem. She would be like, uh, "I, yeah, I." She would say something like, I, "I, you know, I don't, I don't know what you mean. I don't have a problem with your music." Or, uh, oh, great. Well, then maybe what we can do is because you know I've sort of grown up listening to your music of the country and western, which you know some of which I like. I'd like maybe if we could spend a bit of time, we could sit down and listen to a couple of songs that I really like, and you could let me know what you thought of them. And I think that would be you know because if you don't have a problem with it, I feel like I'd like to share this with you because it's it's very enjoyable for me. Well, I don't really want to do that. I you know that's your music. I don't. Uh, that's you know that's not the music that I like to listen to. So. Uh, right, but I, I think that if you sort of get a little bit of exposure to it and, and learn at least what I like about it, it, I'm not saying you will like it, but there's a greater chance of you appreciating it uh, than, than if you don't. And I'd like to share it with you. I mean, you're my mom, and this is the music that I like, and I've certainly had some exposure to the music that you like, and I'd like to share this uh, source of pleasure with, with you. I I don't think I'll appreciate your music. I It's just not what I like to listen to. Well, I, I understand that, uh, but you don't listen to it, right? So uh, what I'm saying is that it might be something fun for us to do. Maybe you grab a couple of songs of yours that I haven't heard or haven't heard for a long time and tell me what you like about them. I'll play a couple of songs of mine, tell you what I really like about them. I think it could be kind of fun if we get to learn a little bit about each other, a little bit about each other's musical tastes. Uh, don't you think that might be might be fun? I think she, <laughs> I feel like she would have a hard time turning down 
that, but or I guess maybe I feel like I would. I mean, I I guess I feel like. Well, the other thing I might say, say is if, the, say. if that she didn't would get, be squirming. I'd... And the other thing that I might say, if that was a conversation I was having, is that the first you said that you didn't have a problem with my music, and then you said that you didn't like it. Right. Right. Yeah. And what would she say to that? She probably would say that, yeah, she didn't. She doesn't really like it. It's just she would say it's just not what I like to listen to. And what is it that you don't like about it? I'm not sure. I mean, this is sorry. This is Kyle now. I yeah. I'm not. I'm not sure what she would. So is it is it my understanding that you've not had these kinds of because this is not a confrontational conversation this is not yeah uh, picking a fight this like I'm just genuinely trying to get a sense of of what it's like to interact with your mom and it yeah. seems like at least my experience is and you know God don't don't let me tell you a thing about your experience but but my experience is that it's very surface yeah definitely I would agree that's that is the relationship that I have with her, I mean, um, only once or twice have I, well, that's, I mean, what you're talking about right now, it's not even a deep topic, a very personal, vulnerable topic, you know, I, I, well, I don't know. Sorry, it, it is, see, this is, I, I would disagree. I think it is a pretty yeah. deep topic because what it is is saying, I have tastes that are different than yours. Yeah, but they still may have as much value and you might actually appreciate being led into my taste center so to speak right yeah that, because that's all about you know myself and another person and differences in taste but being willing in a sense to say my relationship with my son is worth me listening to some of his god-awful noise just so that i can figure out what he sees in it yeah because that, yeah. that is you know this is it's a love test it's not like a test like you're you're trying to trick her or something but it's like a yeah. love test it's like am i worth it as a human being for you to open your mind to what it is that I like. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I I think if you really love someone, you would just be interested. I mean, yeah, you wouldn't have to be coerced <laughs> into right. Not that what you're describing as coercion, but, you know. Um, you wouldn't have to be cajoled, I think is yeah. what, you're, what you're trying to think of, right? Yeah, you would just... You just want to, but, but the- and that's why that's why I think it's important, and that's why I think these these details are really important. You know, a lot of times we're looking for uh, big things in families, big revelations or big problems. But to me, it's a lot of the little tiny things. Yeah, it's a lot of the. Um, and I'll do, I'll just give you a stupid example that that comes to my mind, which is. Oh, boy, back in the day, this is <laughs> this is how far back in the day it goes, and it's music related, so I think it fits with the theme. Um, I used to really like that, among other songs that I liked. It doesn't sound totally gay. I used to really like that little mu- mu- piano box. Uh, music box dancer is the um, music box dancer is the little piano piece. It's a really pretty piece of. Uh, it's a really peppy piece of piano music. Anyway, so uh, I didn't have a, a recording of it, and this is how ancient this was. The way that I used to get recordings of things was I had a little tape deck reporter, recorder that you pushed a button and it would record whatever was going on in the room. 
and so I would, if I heard something on the radio that I liked, I would record it off the speakers. I mean, that's how primitive it was back then to kind of get your own. This was Napster back in the day. <laughs> no, I did for that a lot on the radio. Yeah, you wait for it to come on the radio and you push record and that's your P2P, right? Yeah. Um, speaker to microphone, uh, S to M. Anyway, and uh, I was um, – uh, so this, this music, Bach Dancer, came on I – like, I don't know. I was like 14 or 13 or 14. And I sort of – it was in the morning and I kind of jumped out of bed and I grabbed my tape deck and I held it up to the speaker. And my brother kept asking me annoying questions. And I, I said to him, like, I'm – I'm, I'm trying to record the song, and I didn't want to say it too loud. And he pretended he couldn't hear me, and he said, what? What? And he was just interfering with the recording because, of course, it picks up everything in the room, and I never did get that recording of that music that I liked. And you say, well, that's not a big thing. That's just an annoying little thing. No, that is a big thing. That is a big indication of a personality type. That is a big indication of a personality type. You know, somebody is, oh, this is something that Steph really wants, so I'm going to interrupt it. Right. Right, and put him in an impossible situation because Steph can't, you know, <laughs> he can't stop what he's doing. He can't sort of speak back to me because he's trying to record this. So this is a big thing, right? It's important to look at these little details and sort of keep unpacking them until you get to the core. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, it's certainly what I think. Um, I mean, I certainly feel like it was a very chronic experience that that divided me from my parents. Um, you oh, know. Sorry, what was the chronic experience? Uh, yeah, I didn't say, but I agree with you that it's it's like day to day things, you know, the little things that add up. I mean, my experience. <laughs> With my mom, I just contrasting with your example. I, I don't. I don't think it was quite as. Um, I don't know if I want to go so far as to call that sadistic, but what I mostly got was a lack of interest in in things that I liked. I feel like rather than as much interruption of of things that I liked, if that that makes sense like they just wouldn't show an interest and maybe if i went to them uh you know wanting to share something they were busy or you know watching tv cooking you know they weren't they weren't really interested and and i didn't feel like they were interested in in the me and the things that i was interested in Right. Okay. Okay. So this, um, a, I'm completely sorry to hear that. I mean, I think that's, I think that's deeply tragic. Uh, and it, it, you would be shocked at how many people live those lives of quiet isolation, of desperate isolation, really, of distracted isolation. Uh, it's really, really sad. And I don't think that there's enough earth in the universe to fill the hole in the heart that that creates. That's my, my perspective on, on that. So I just wanted to sort of give you some real sympathy for that because I think that's a real shame uh, it's more than a real shame it's, it's, a, it's a biblical tragedy but but why why were they not interested right because <laughs> because uh, one of the words that my daughter has learned over the past few months is, is because right cause and effect right this happened because why are we doing this because 
Why can we not do that? Because, right? So she's learning the cause and effect of things. And that starts at about, at least for my daughter, started around the age of, of two, maybe a little older. In other words, that, that's how, how young the word because starts in people, right? And so I can guarantee you that you have in your head a because. My parents weren't interested because. Yeah. So what was, what's the because? And it's almost certain to not be the real reason, right? Not, not because you mistake anything, but just because in childhood you are so constrained and so dependent upon your caregivers that everything that you make up for negative behavior is not the truth, right? Yeah. Like everything that is printed. To take an extreme example, I'm not comparing your family to a dictatorship, but nothing that's printed in a dictatorship is true. And nothing that's taught in public schools is true, with the exception, perhaps, of two plus two equals four. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, so we, we're so dependent on our parents and so unable to act in a voluntary way in the environment that all of the things that we make up for negative behavior are not true. I mean, they can't be because we're not in a free, in a free situation. So if your parents weren't interested in what you were and I'm, you know, I'm not saying this is a complete and absolute they never were, but in general, if you feel sure. that they weren't interested in what you were thinking and saying or experiencing or preferring, what was the because that you had as a child? They, I'm not interested. They're not interested because what? Yeah. Well, the first thing that comes to mind are are words like um, stupid and bad, like that I was, like things that I liked and things that I did were were just not interesting and I guess they were the wrong things. I was supposed to be interested in something else or I was supposed to be doing something else that that they would appreciate, you know? Right. Like I, like now, what, I was the, what were the other things – sorry, uh, I, I don't mean to interrupt you while you're talking, but oh, what sure. were the other things that you were supposed to be doing that would be more interesting? I'm not sure. I mean, I, f- I feel like I never, I never figured it out, you know, because I don't think that there was really something that I could do. But, but I, that was really a mission for me. I feel like for, for a long time, and I'm sure I'm still living it on some level. Kind of that there's something fundamentally wrong with me that I have to, I have to discover, and change. Right. Okay. So, you're not. They're not interested because. There's something wrong with you? Well, I think because there's something wrong with me, it's like I'm not, I'm not, you know, kind of what they want me to be. Right. Okay. So, so I think I understand that. So, Sorry. I know it's so general. No, but. no, no. I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm getting it. Uh, so it, okay. it's something like they're not interested in me because I don't have the right hobbies or tastes or preferences or whatever, right? I guess it's like it must have been the things that I liked, you know, it didn't seem like they really liked. So it's like I couldn't share those things with them. I just had to do them by myself. But what were the things that they liked that that so if you'd be more into country music, then uh, then your mom would have been more interested in the music you were interested in? Well, they didn't really uh, they didn't really have what I would call interests. I mean, they like to watch 
TV. I mean, a typical day in the house would be like my mom gets home at 4.30 and she's recorded soap operas during the day. And so she'll spend like the first hour watching them. And, you know, she can't be be bothered during that time. You know, like if I went to go talk with her, she just would ignore me or, or you know, get irritated and, you know, I don't want to talk right now. And then, and then it would after, you know, when she was done with that, she'd like make dinner and. And could and, you talk while she was making dinner? Or? Well, I could talk, but I never felt like I had her attention, you know. And so she wouldn't really, I couldn't have a conversation, I guess. I could talk at her, but there wasn't. There wasn't she listening. She didn't seem interested. And, you know, if I got responses, it would be very, they would be very um, uh-huh. undetailed. Yeah. yeah, like, uh-huh, oh, that's, yeah, yeah, you know. That's interesting. Or and I would like. feel, of course, like she doesn't care, you know. Uh, right. And then, yeah. And what, what, were the dinners, what were the dinners like? I see your dad uh, would come home or whatever. I assume, yeah. Or, unless he was a yeah. night, night worker or whatever. No, nah, he would come home. There'd be dinner. My dad, hard. He talks very little. He's he. Uh, so he would normally be pretty silent during dinner. My mom would probably try to ask a, a couple questions about like how this would be a little older, like how people today were, you know. What did you but, learn in school today, kind of thing? Yeah, and if you answer, I mean, it's meant to be a short answer. Like if it's anything longer than a short answer, then you know. And what's a short answer? Good. <laughs> Oh, so if it's more than one syllable or more than one word, that's like, man, he's just running on. Yeah. Sorry, that's a completely unfair southern accent and a pretty bad one too. But Right. Everyone – see, my daughter's really into Mater the car at the moment, so I've been doing bad southern accents all week. Oh. No, it's right. all right. I can appreciate it. Uh, okay, so there's yeah, not much the talking during dinner. Is yeah. the TV on during dinner or is it off? The TV's not normally on during dinner and then there's – a period of washing dishes after dinner, but then which is similar to the cooking thing. Yeah, which is similar to the in terms cooking of conversation, thing. right? My dad's home, so maybe my mom and dad, you know, talk a little bit during during washing dishes and about their day, kind of thing, or yeah, yeah, their day or things they want to do that weekend, chores, that sort of stuff. I mean, that's kind of right. what most of the weekends were were chores, and they do housework all weekend basically, except for maybe. Watching sports in the afternoon, you know, on TV, and then evenings were TV again. So they didn't really do much. Well, so hang on, sorry. Let's before we get to the weekends, and I'm I'm always fascinated by how people live. I mean, I just I really do find it completely fascinating. Yeah. So okay, so the dishes are done. Your parents are sort of roughly caught up, and then what? So it's what like seven o'clock, six thirty. Yeah, it's probably seven o'clock. So there. I mean, at this point, it's like maybe my dad has a little bit of work to do that he brought home. Maybe my mom is going to do some ironing. Um, so it's chore time. Yeah, it's chore time again. It's not like they wouldn't then like turn to the kids and want to do something, you know, or like. Now that you've been home from school for three hours, how are you? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So and then after starting by eight, it would be like straight TV. And at that point, again, like if I. What do you mean? Well, so like, gonna... hang on. So so like so, like seven to eight, it's it's chores or whatever. Yeah. Eight o'clock, the TV comes on and it's like, 
Rockford Files, Matlock, Murder She Wrote. I don't know. I don't know what the hell. <laughs> yeah, right? but, yeah. But it's, is it like show after show? Is it like we're going to watch this show and then not, or what? It's like show after show until the nightly news into bed. So, so like nightly news, like eleven to eleven thirty, kind of thing. Yeah. So of course I'm bed. I'm to bed earlier, you know, if I'm younger. Right, right. Before that ever comes around. But yeah, so the, I mean, they were just kind of like hooked into the tube all night and i could either like sit there and watch the show or i could go you know do something which if you're young is not too gripping right because you know what the hell's going on right yeah yeah i mean yeah i watched a lot of tv too during those years but there were times when i would have liked to have done other things i'm sure a lot of times and I certainly don't live that way now. I haven't had a TV in my house for six years, so it's you know it's not the lifestyle that I choose and prefer. But that's, right, right. that's what they did, and you know I didn't feel like I was very much a part of that. And um, in terms of your preferences about how your family spent its time, uh, what was your relationship there? Um, right. So could you say, hey, you know, how about? We don't watch TV and we play a board game. Or how about we don't watch TV and go for a walk? Or how about whatever, right? Well, I, I don't, I don't have a memory of doing that. Though I'm sure I did at some point. I would. My why, mind. Sorry. Why are you sure that you did? Because I think I know how they would react. Well, and also I think as a kid I would have, before they, before I learned that it just wasn't even an option. I think I would have been curious about it because I wouldn't have been interested in them and sitting watching TV shows that probably when I was pretty young I didn't understand anyhow so it's not what I wanted to well, do. Well and even when you get older it's not like the shows you would have chosen to watch probably. Yeah I don't want to do it all the time not now after night you know. And was that um, pretty much the deal for the weekdays? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean pretty much my whole life that's what they're still doing more or less. As far as I know, I mean, I've been out of the house for several years, but yeah, yeah, no, I, um, I really, um, yeah, I have a bit of a problem with TV that way. Um, just, just between you and I, and <laughs> whoever else ends up, whatever, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, I really do have a, um, yeah, I have a problem with that. I mean, it's such, it's such a narcolepsy device, right? It's such a way of not having relationships. And I mean, I I'm I do have a TV. Uh, I have a daughter, and she likes a couple of shows. And yeah, I like a couple of shows too, though I haven't really had much of a chance for shows or movies over the last couple of years. But I'm not sort of like, oh my god, it's a demon box. It should never have any. I mean, I think it's fine, but um, but I yeah, I have a I have a big problem with the degree to which the the tube just obliterates lives. And I'm not saying this is true. It just in, of your family, I don't know for sure, but. It yeah. really just look back and you say, well, I digested a lot of mid-level entertainment and yeah. that's my legacy. I, mean, right? I think it can be a real drug for people that are, you know, wanting to dissociate or, you know, are not very – I mean, I think if you're kind of in touch with yourself, yeah, you like to watch some TV, but you also like a lot of other things and and some you like some real quality time with people. So it's, you know – you're not going yeah, to Yeah, or the, the TV can be sort of a shared experience that you talk about, right? So, sure, sure. you know, if uh, Christine and I watch a particular show that's really interesting, we can say, "Wow, you know, that that was really fascinating." And then this happened, and what do you think that meant? And how yeah. does this talk about the larger culture? I mean, it can be a good uh, springboard in a sense for 
uh, some great conversations. Um, but yeah, of course, a lot of time that's far from how it's used. Anyway, sort of minor rant aside. Okay, so you, you get to the weekends and you wake up on Saturdays and what uh, what goes on? Um, probably the first thing I would do is go watch some cartoons, Saturday morning cartoons. My parents are probably up already and reading the paper and then maybe making breakfast and and you know maybe starting about 10 o'clock uh the chores you know they start to move on to kind of like daily chores you know i just talking about it too i i just had the thought how they don't ever uh i don't ever remember i'm kind of checking in with me or my sister i have a younger sister as well you know kind of mm-hmm. like what would you guys like to do or would you like to do anything you know or just you know if even not so direct just kind of coming and seeing what we were doing or whatever you know yeah I like yeah, i mean i i again not to toot my own horn but i mean this is something that isabella is now able to say and i say well what do you want to do this morning do you want to do this do you want to do that do you want to do the other day so you know like yesterday we went to the play center and then there's a a little model train store across from there. She likes to push the trains around while I sweat and hope that we don't buy half the store. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I really want her to, uh, I want to facilitate what she wants to do. And just sometimes we have to negotiate if she wants to do the same thing again, uh, then I might, you know, be a little bored of going to the park for the 50th time. So I'll suggest something else. It was a back and forth. Right. But, but I think that's important. I mean, that's part of, my pleasure as a parent in the moment, but it's also a significant part of what I'm supposed to be doing as a parent, which is yeah. to help my child to develop preferences and negotiation skills. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of and, and to feel valued, of course, right? Yeah, and just thinking about what you know, how I've spent a lot of my time since I left my parents' home during college is I kind of worked all the time too. I mean, with schoolwork. I would spend, you know, most all the weekend studying and and same thing with the evenings and that's kind of that's kind of what they were doing, you know. It's like it's like I didn't really ask myself what I wanted to do either on the weekends. At well, yeah, I mean, how could you? I mean, how how could you have have thought of that? Yeah. Because it, it, the absence of the question is itself kind of um a pressure point, so to speak, right? Right, because you yeah. can't sort of just wake up on your ten and say, "Okay, now I'm going to start having preferences in this family." Sure. I mean, you you just can't any more than you can wake up suddenly speaking Gaelic. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. That makes sense. So there'd be sort of chores, and then lunch, and then what? Saturday afternoon. What what goes on there? Um. Well. It's it's probably it's probably still kind of a mix of chores. I mean, on the weekend, my dad would probably pretty much do chores mostly all day. My mom might take a break. We had a pool in the backyard. I I think of like in the summer, you know, she liked to lay out in sunbathe or kind of like float around on, on in the pool, you know, and then on a raft or something in the afternoon. That might be like a, a leisure thing she would do. And I, I just, I also think of times when I would go out and approach her while she was in the pool, and it's there was so much just sort of very subtle, I think, communication that 
you know, kept me from kind of asking some of the questions of her, like you were suggesting earlier, where there's just this almost kind of a scowl on the face as you approach, like, you know, you better not be thinking about <laughs> interrupting, you know, whatever it is I'm doing or asking me to do something else, you know, to be. So uh, the sense that I'm getting is that you're like an imposition. Yeah, I think could say that. Not you like as a, as, a, as, a, as some an entity in the house, but you as an individual, you as a person with preferences that may yeah. not be the same as your parents. Right, right, right. right. I like there might be some pressure for them to yeah negotiate a little bit if i was i mean maybe if i was uh persistent i don't know i mean my approach with them has been to just kind of stay out of their way you know i don't really i don't really go to them with and know, that's sorry that's a um that is a very non natural thing for a child to experience i believe i think that uh, the idea that children are like well you know i just i don't want to bother my parents i don't want to yeah you know distract them or you know interfere with whatever they're doing is uh, is very i think it's very non natural in other words what i mean by that is that that's something that needs to be conditioned by the parents that's not just something right. you come out of the womb with i mean children right. come out of the womb you know they call it the fourth trimester the first sort of six to nine months of life because biologically we should still be in the damn womb. It's just that biologically we couldn't because our heads would get too large to fit out the vagina, right? So so that fourth trimester, I mean, kids are welded to, to their babies, are welded to their parents. And, and I mean, even my, I mean, again, I won't generalize everything from my daughter, but I mean, She's certainly going through a phase of extreme attachment to me where okay, I have to take her out of the car. I have to, you know, wash her hair. I have to brush her teeth. I like everything has to be me, me, me. And it'll switch back to my wife after a while. But she very much is, uh, uh, is, um, is attached to us. And, and we are, you know, who she wants to interact with. I mean, that's, that's like she can maybe do five or ten minutes on her own. And after that, it's like, you know, daddy come or mama come and, and or she'll yeah. say, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm stuck. And she needs to have us come and sort of pull her off whatever she's, quote, stuck to and, and so on. And so I think that, again, this is my amateur knowledge, but I think that it's very non-natural for a child to feel that way. I think that most children are sort of born with an intense attachment and enthusiasm for, for their parents. It takes, it takes work to sort of push that back, so to speak. Right. Yeah, I mean, this really resonates with my feelings of social anxiety, too, because my thoughts are around being an imposition on whoever I'm talking to. Um, you know, for example, um, my I, I live with one other person, my housemate, um, Ben. I mean, we've been open on the boards about it, so I don't feel uncomfortable saying his name, Benjamin. I mean, he's working through this. He's working through uh, self-knowledge and stuff, too, and we try to have a, a very open relationship where we can talk about our feelings and talk about vulnerable stuff, and we're you know, trying to put, put uh, these rational principles into, into action. And I still feel a lot of anxiety uh, speaking to him sometimes, too, and I notice, especially when he comes home from work, I really feel a lot of fear about 
you know, like overwhelming, you know, like that's the word that I put to it. Like for me to go to him and, you know, kind of talk about what's on my mind or what I'm thinking or feeling is overwhelming him, you know, like bombarding him or, you know. That's very interesting. I think it's very interesting that you use that word overwhelming. Yeah. It reminds me of a line from a Reese Witherspoon film. (laughs) This is ridiculous, but it's what pops into my head. I'll just share it and then we'll move on to something useful. Uh, I think it's Clueless. Unless you're Silverstone, Clueless. And um, there's a bunch of shallow valley girls in the back of a car. uh, And one of them says, okay, so you can be like overwhelmed and you can be like underwhelmed. Can you ever be just like whelmed? (laughs) And the other one says, I think you can in, in Europe. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, I just sort of mentioned that. I think it's pretty funny. But yeah. but the reason why I think that's interesting is that I think it it can tell you something about possibly something about your parents' mindset while they were not having time for you. Yeah. Right? Because if you are experiencing being boring or being inappropriate but they are experiencing you coming in and wanting something as overwhelming. That's, those are two, in a sense, very opposite perceptions, right? Like, so for you, you're turning the engine and the engine just doesn't turn, doesn't start, right? But for them, the engine is going, you know, mad, like crazy sparks right. flying out, red hot right. engine casing, spitting out spark plugs, shaking, jumping, Right. Yeah. That's sort of so for you it's like, damn, this engine it's not even turning. What the hell's wrong? And them it's like it's yeah, like right. a space shuttle about to explode. Those are two very opposite perceptions. That's true. I think that I've I've held the belief, or at least, you know, consciously for a long time that it's that they that they were just not interested, which would which would be very different from them being you know, very stimulated or whatever, you know, in sort of a negative way by, by, uh, me, you know, existing. Okay. So, so we need to ask that question. Sorry to interrupt. We need to ask that question just so we don't sort of uh, waste too much time. And sorry, I don't mean to say that you're wasting time, but I just want to make sure that I, we don't sort of do a two hour conversation when we could compress it just because I mean, it was sensitive to your time as well. So what was going on for your parents when you would come and want something? And and want something doesn't mean like you know, give me a, 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 a you know hundred dollars worth of toys and a back rub, but interact with me, uh, play with right. me, uh, show yeah. some pleasure in my existence, show some desire for my company, show some interest in my thoughts, show some pleasure at the existence of a child of your loins in your house. Yeah, I want to say that it was kind of agonizing and that they would you know like they'd be really uncomfortable really anxious probably as well and then they would get angry you know my mom would would uh but angry why right what comes before the anger i think angry at at being uncomfortable you know like they were they were uncomfortable why why were they uncomfortable Sorry to be annoying. <laughs> As usual, but I mean, yeah. this is a... Well, I, I would... I mean, I would say that they were uncomfortable because, you know, their needs weren't met as children, like their parents. That's too abstract. You know? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. 
right so and and you're right i'm sure right but but what is what is the feeling so your your mom's in the pool or 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 cooking and you want to say something you know something that happened to you something that you thought maybe you had a really cool dream or whatever yeah. right or maybe something said something really interesting at school or you learned something, whatever right so you're talking to her you you open your mouth and you talk to her and what what is occurring for her in that moment i'm not really sure or i'm feeling or i'm blanking on it um i mean i would say Can I tell you the image sorry no, go ahead I mean, I would say she experienced it as an imposition, like it was a interruption of, of what? whatever it is she wanted to be doing. But 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 they're watching TV and floating in the pool yeah. and watching sports and cooking. This is not like uh, I'm about to solve, uh, you know, uh, the theory of relativity here, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. Right, you're less important than a meal I've cooked 500 times before, which takes one half of one percent of my brain to complete. Less important yeah. than some dumbass show on TV. Less important than some stupid sports game. Less important than floating. I mean, if there's anybody, if there's ever anybody who's not doing anything, they're floating in a pool on a sunny afternoon. And there's nothing wrong with floating in a pool. I think it's great, but you're not interrupting something there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Uh. I mean, maybe because I, you know, I kind of really wanted to, to, to be kind of intimate with them and share my thoughts and feelings. They never did that with me. You know, I don't think they wanted to do that. They, or it was painful to do that. So, sorry, them sharing their feelings with you? Yeah. Well, I can think of other but times. No, we're talking about you sharing. I'm talking about you sharing your feelings with them, right? So you come up and you say, "Mom, I just whatever, right? I saw this cool yeah. thing, or I had this cool thought, or whatever, right?" Yeah. Why is there a uh, why is there a recoiling? Why is there a signal for you to back off? Why do you need to feel inconsequential? What? Is the like what is the alternative? So let's say another way of asking the same question is, let's say that your mom had dug deep and summed up and sat down with you and looked you in the eye and said, "Look, you know what? I'm not the best listener most of the time, but I really, really want to listen to what what's going on for you now. I'm so sorry. Uh, tell me, tell me what's on your mind. What would that have cost her? What would that have done to her? What why, what was she avoiding by not doing that? Well. I mean, maybe that they kind of were not, they were not being good parents to me and that would, that would have to come up if they were going to start listening to me. Yeah. And I'm sorry, that was not the best example because that's kind of circular, right? Because they're already doing that. Mm-hmm. Right. So the question is, why did they start doing that? Not what are the effects of it after 10 years, so to speak? I'm right. sorry, that was not a great example because I already said, yeah, I don't know, don't listen or whatever, right? But why why did it start out that way? Because yeah, after ten years for sure, but the question is what were they avoiding by avoiding you? Not you, right? Obviously you're just a you're just a kid, right? I mean you but so it's not you. But what would they what were they avoiding? I wanna say they were avoiding their own feelings, maybe. Sure. I mean, sure. I feel like if they were going to pay attention to me, they also 
had to pay attention to themselves. At least that's kind of what I ex- experience as kind of like an empathy thing. If you right, so to have empathy you have for it, you, you kind of have it universally. Yeah, you have empathy for yourself first, and then others second. And if you don't have empathy for yourself, then it's tough to feel empathy for for others, right? Yeah. I'll tell you the image that popped into my head, okay. and you can tell me if it makes makes any sense at all. I'm thinking about a dad who's broke, and like not just like broke old school, like not broke like we can put it on credit card, but just broke. Like 1930s broke kind of thing. Grapes of Wrath broke. And his kids are going – he's going with his kids past the toy store and they see this toy in the window and they really, really want the toy. And he's like, he's going to try and minimize their desire first off, right? Ah, those things break in a week. They're, you know, they're, they're no good. I had one when I was a kid. They're just, you know, you think they, they look great, but right. He's going to try and do something like that probably because he can't buy, he got no money, right? Right. And then if, if they persist, he's going to get what? He's going to get angry. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because he's, he's humiliated. Because he can't give his children what they deserve, what they need, what they, what he owes them, so to speak. Right. As a parent, because he's got nothing. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. Right. Nobody major parents have kids, especially two. Right. Yeah. But if you have kids, then you owe them your attention. You owe them your attention. You owe them your attention. It's like you, you buy a dog. You don't, you don't have to feed the dog that's in the pet store. You buy that dog and bring it home. You damn well owe it food now, right? Yeah. Right? And people who don't pay their debts do so either because they're trying to exploit or whatever. And that's not the case with parents, I think. But if they don't pay a legitimate debt, which is attention towards a child... It's because they got no currency. They got nothing inside to give. Now, they can't take ownership of that and deal with it because that would be, well, not they can't, but they won't or whatever, right? And won't becomes can't all too quickly, right? You know, won't run a marathon becomes can't run a marathon very quickly, right? Yeah, it's a lot easier to deal with can't because then you don't have the choice. Yeah, yeah, and of course, you know, our parents uh, made choices back at the dawn of history long before we were around, or certainly when we were very young, which we don't know about, so all we see is the can't, not the won't, right? But if, yeah, I, I, have, I have nothing to offer. I have nothing to give. I can't listen. And I can't admit that. So I just have to keep this kid at bay. I can't give him the toy called me. Because I've got no coin. The father who won't buy his children the toy because he has no money 
will often and in an extremity call them selfish and greedy and materialistic and and try and intimate that you know we're rich as long as we have each other and uh, you know you don't need these crappy toys and you know a lot of poorer parents are you know they fall into this left-wing anti-materialism it's the commercials on tv that are causing all the problems in my family and so on right because they feel so fundamentally humiliated about not being able to give children what children legitimately deserve they make up a whole almost like ideology and you can see a lot of this stuff floating around in terms of kids you know kids are whiny kids are demanding kids are, have tantrums they're relentless they don't give up they you can't negotiate with them you can't reason with them you can't, ah, ah, right right yeah definitely and that's all complete and total and insulting bullshit and the fact that we say this about children is not shocking to people until they realize that if we said this about any other minority, it would be completely shocking. Oh, blacks, they're just, they're so greedy and materialistic and you can't reason with them. They can't think. They just, they just use violence or they aggress to get whatever they want and they, they don't, you can't control them unless you hit them. And people would just, you put that out about blacks and people would be like, oh my God, it's the most racist thing or Jews or the most racist thing you've ever heard. You talk yeah. about kids this way and it's like, well, yeah, a lot of people will agree with you, right? And and yeah. parents, like the parents, you know, this is another little rant, so pardon me for saying that uh, um, I wanted to keep this short. But the parents also have this thing where, like, like they're victims of their, their children. Oh, they just, you know, yeah. they, they, they just run roughshod over me and they don't listen and I have to scream at them and I have to do this and they won't do that and blah, blah. Like, what are, what are you talking? You, you, nobody made you have kids. You're not a victim here. You you chose to have kids. You're choosing to keep them. And God help you, you're choosing not to read any books on parenting, right? Or any decent yeah. books on parenting, right? Yeah. Like, I just read you today. 70% of college-educated women spank their children. 90% of parents as a whole spank their children. Jeez. Every single, with the exception of a few fucking lunatic Christian parenting experts, spare the rod, spoil the child, assholes. Every child-raising expert that I've ever read or heard of is absolutely against spanking. I don't think there's a greater divide between experts and lay people in the world. It's not like there's a big debate. <laughs> there's no debate. There's more unanimity on spank, anti-spanking than there is on evolution. Then the, the more, more... Oh, never mind. <laughs> right, so... so um, so, yeah, anybody who reads any parenting books uh, or looks anything up on the web about spanking, um, of course, right? They they get all of this. Uh, right. But, but still, uh, people are like, ah, eh, screw the experts, I'll hit my kid. Or maybe they just avoid that, that information or whatever. Yeah. And and I think I think fundamentally the reason that the parents hit their children or ignore their children, which, by the way, is, in my view, and not just my view, also abusive. It's also abusive to bring a child into your house and to ignore it. In the same way that it is abusive to an animal, let's say you get some greyhound into your house and you refuse to take it for a walk. Is that not abusive to the animal? Yeah, totally. Because greyhounds need their exercise and children need attention. They need attention. It is equal to food and water and medical attention. Uh, to me, it is abusive to bring a child into this world and ignore that child and to make it clear to that child, whether consciously or not, 
that everything but that child is more important. My TV show is more important. My soap operas are more important. My cooking is more important. My lying around is more important. My chores are more important. Blah, blah. Like, yeah. that, is, that is abusive. Yeah. And there never seemed to came a time when it was like me time. Right. Now we've got down the list and you're only 17, so <laughs> it's you, you, you all the way, right? Yeah. No, I was reading, I was reading actually about how, uh, this is, you know, this is not my, uh, I'm not certain about this because it's not, it's not my field, but uh, somebody was writing, and I can send you the link, that uh, uh, neglect uh, can be as harmful as sexual abuse to the psychological development of the child. Yeah. I mean, I've, I feel like it's had a, an incredible impact on my life. I mean, it's, def I feel like it's defined my life up to this point, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to uh, figure it out so I don't have to live with so much anxiety. But it's, yeah, it's just dominated all my choices through my life, you know. I mean, when you're just terrified of being humiliated, it 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 just really uh, affects all the decisions you make. Right. Right. And I, you know, what do I know? But But my approach would be, is something like this that uh, I think that you really do need to figure out what was going on for your for your parents and you know if you can talk to them about this I think that would be as I've always said I think you know just sit down and say you know I've got this experience of childhood where like I feeling like I was an imposition like I wasn't you didn't really take a lot of pleasure in in me and 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 so on and just sit down and, and and talk with them if you can about it and just try and figure out what was going on from their end because you know, if, if you're carrying their burden, it will never, ever stop. Like, if, if it's a dysfunction on their side that you're carrying, then it won't ever stop. Like, if, you know, to take that example of the, the dad with no money, if you're sort of like, well, you know, capitalism and materialism and selfishness and greed and, right, blah, 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 these are all fundamental human evils that, that, that blah, blah, blah. And when it's just, well, this is all the bullshit your dad told you because he just didn't have the money to buy you what you wanted. Or the guts to tell you that he didn't have the money to buy you what you wanted. If he created right. this whole story about why you shouldn't have these things when he didn't believe it himself, but just needed to say something to avoid the truth. Well, I think it's really, really, so if you're carrying that burden, you, it'll never stop until you put the burden back where it belongs. You are not a boring person. <laughs> you are not a boring person. You were not a boring child. No child is boring. Except maybe when they're sleeping, <laughs> even though even then they're fantastic and beautiful, right? But but children are not boring. Children are incredibly fascinating and funny. I'll give you. I'll just give you a sorry a tiny example. I mean, and this is just. I just point this out because this is like this is my my daughter's two and a half, and we I've been complaining that she's because she wants to be carried everywhere. She's a real lap baby, and I've been sort of because she's like. 36 pounds or whatever, right? So, you know, you try that on your hip for half the day and it's, you know, you end up looking like a question mark. And so, so she's taken to imitating me in a very funny way. So I, um, sometimes when I lift her up, I'm like, oh, baby cakes, you're so heavy, right? Anyway, so I lifted her up the other day, uh, coming back from the park and she, she she reared up her head. She threw back her head. And in almost a perfect imitation of me, she said, Ah, I'm too heavy. Oh, I'm just too heavy. 
was so funny. I literally almost fell down laughing. I just laughed until I, because it was such a note perfect uh, imitation uh, of of me. And she could do a fantastic impersonation of her mom, right? So we do this this joke where I say, yeah, because Isabella's going through a no face, right? So we say, Isabella says, no. And she says, no. And and then uh, daddy says, yeah, because daddy's a yes person, right? And, And then mama says, Isabella, what are you doing? Because that's what Christina asks her all the time when she can't see her. Isabella, what are you doing? It's note perfect, her imitation of us. It is it is incredible. And it comes out of nowhere. She has to practice this. She just right? And that is hilarious. And she does things that that are so funny. And they're not funny like, oh, aren't kids funny? They say the funniest things, right? But like genuinely funny. Uh, a funny human being. And um and surprising, because it comes out of nowhere. Oh, Isabel, I'm just too heavy. Oh, Dad, I'm too heavy. <laughs> too funny. Two and a half years old. Incredible. And so, so you were not boring as a kid. I don't imagine for a moment that my daughter is any more sparkling or effervescent than you were uh, as, as a child, as a newborn, as a baby, as a toddler. And so it wasn't you that wasn't interesting. Unfortunately, it becomes sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because if enough people don't think you're interesting, hey, guess what your self-perception is, right? Well, I don't want to impose because obviously I'm an imposition and I'm not really very interesting and blah, 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 right? Yeah. But if you can figure out what was really going on for your parents and you, you, you may not get a straight answer from them. I don't know, right? But you got to have the conversation, you know, if at all possible either way in my opinion. But yeah. try and figure out what was going on for them. Why did they experience you as an imposition? Now, if you'll either get... It may take a number of conversations. It may take a while. It's really, really worth pursuing. Now, you may not get a clear answer from them, but what you will get is all of your adult sensibilities breaking through what was forbidden for you as a child with all of the keen eyesight of a philosophically minded individual and a psychologically self-aware individual. So even if you don't get an answer, you will see the defenses with um, infinitely clearer eyesight in a sense than you had as a kid. Well, not infinitely clear eyesight because kids are incredibly perceptive, but you will, because the, because the, um, the costs of seeing your parents' defenses are much lower when you're an adult, you'll be able to process them much more clearly. That's probably a better way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I think that's a, I think that's some good advice. I, I haven't talked to my parents in five months now. I took a break from him. I tried having some conversations, but I was just was like flooded with feelings too strongly, and I, yeah, I wanted to take a break. So, and I'm sorry about that. And I, you know, I, I never. I mean, I never want to tell anyone what to do with their family. And you can see them, of course, not see them as you see fit. But if it's not a final break. I I would I would go I would go for this one and look I could be completely wrong what, what do I know it could be something else completely but I'm just giving you my opinion if it, if it's worth anything I I yeah. would go and just try and figure out because yeah if if it's their issue if it's their issue then a burden will be lifted from you because yeah. unconsciously or consciously every dysfunctional person in the world tries to bury us in their shit. Right, and you got to be a fucking ninja. You got to be like walking on walls and wires and dragon meets puff adder or whatever the hell these movies are called, right? But you've got to be nimble. 
you know, shields up and <laughs> evasive maneuvers, uh, Sulu, you've got to be nimble because people are always trying to dump their shit on you. Now, if your parents had some shit that, that they had that made them emotionally unavailable to you, you need to see that as their stuff, as their issues. That will be a burden lifted from you. Yeah. And my guess is that you, most of people are just paying their shit forward, right? So your, your parents' parents dumped stuff on them, then they dumped it on you. And so people get pretty panicky when you, you, you attempt to hand their shit back, right, and say, listen, yeah. uh, I've had this shit bag for long enough. It's got your name on it. Uh, you really need to hold this. They really, really don't want to, right? Yeah, definitely. But, but it doesn't matter whether they are willing to take it back or not. The only thing that matters is you get that it's not your name on the bag. It's not yours. It's not your yeah, burden. Right. Even if they really refuse it, it's still I'll you know, I'll be able to see and experience that as an adult. Yeah, and the refusal is, you know, hey, you know, mom and dad, you, you kinda dumped a log on me. I'd really appreciate it if you could lift this up. And they're like, well, you know, that could put my back out. And, you yeah. know, by the way, there's something on TV that I really want to catch up on. And we got some chores to do. And they wander off. And it's like the log vanishes because they take it with them either way. As long as you see it clearly for what it is. As long as you see the interaction clearly for what it is. Uh, it's not up to other people whether we carry their burdens. Fundamentally, that is up to us. And you did deserve attention as a child. And you did deserve empathy and listening and curiosity, and fun, and laughter, and the TV set being turned off. You did deserve all of that. And your parents owed you that. That is a, they owed you that like they owed you medical attention as a kid. You don't yeah. have a choice. You don't get to have a kid and say, well, I want to take him to the doctor. Oh, my God. That's not, not a choice that you have after you make a kid. And neglect is not a choice after you have a kid. And, yeah, if you, if you see that, and where they're coming from. Maybe, God knows, right? Maybe there's some miracle that happens and it's a real breakthrough and you guys can start to have a more normalized relationship and start to deal with some of this stuff together collectively as a family. Mwah! Beautiful. Do I hold my breath? Who knows, right? I mean, it, it seems to me these habits take a long time to turn around, but maybe it could be the start of a beneficial conversation. But yeah, I would say if there's any, any possibility of sitting down with them uh, and trying to sort some of this stuff out, I know it's terrifying, but but I'm telling you, and if, you know, talk to a therapist as well, as I always say, but I really think that's, that, that's the way to, to, to get this burden off you. Yeah. Well, I'd be willing to do just about anything to, to gain some relief. I mean, I think that I'm a pretty interesting person too, but I just get flooded, you know, with anxiety and it's, I feel like I really don't get a chance to, to kind of be myself. Right. Right, yeah, because, I mean, you if you feel like an imposition, you can't be yourself because all you're doing is monitoring the other person's supposedly fading level of interest and like, oh, shit, you know, I then you start to feel like someone who's going up to the person for the 12th time to borrow 500 bucks, right? Yeah. Yeah, you can't be yourself in that situation. So, yeah, I would, I would take that approach if that helps at all. Yeah, thanks. I mean, that's been really helpful. I'm yeah, sorry, just before we go off, I mean, uh, yeah, sure. how I'm a little rusty on listener calls because I haven't done money <laughs> too, too much lately, but uh, how, how was that for you other than me blathering on about my own past? Uh, I, I, really, I really enjoyed it. I think, I think there was some real useful stuff in there. There was a few things that you said that I really haven't 
thought too much about. You know, one was thinking about the little things um, that happened in my relationship with them. You know, well, things I might be calling little, you know, but actually were were pretty big. And then also, you know, thinking about my parents feeling humiliated. That's not something I've really thought much about, but it seemed to resonate with me. It's certainly an experience that I have, so it's, I feel like I can empathize with that. It's hard because they're my parents. I feel a lot of rage towards them. I mean, that's that's kind of one of the most prominent feelings that comes up for me when I think about them nowadays. But, but you know, I mean, I think I can understand why humiliation could, you know, cause them to act in that way. Um, so, yeah, I feel like I got some good stuff out of this and it'd be nice to listen to it again. All right. All right. Well, I'm, I will obviously send it to you and um, you can have a listen and uh, just make a note of where your name came up in case we ever release it. I can pull that out. And um, I, I'm glad it was useful and I certainly wish you very the best. And uh, do let me know if you have a chance how it goes with your parents. Sure. Thank you very much. All right. Take care, man. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye.